So the people I've asked to come and to read, would they come up, please? And uh, we'll take that one first. Thank you. It's a dramatic reading about the road to Emmaus. And uh, we'll pass the thing as it goes along. Okay? So I'm the narrator. You're Jesus. You're Right, okay, let's hope we get this right. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? Uh, as you walk along. They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? About Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of the women amazed us. They went to the tomb early in the morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. How foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly. Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road? And opened the scriptures to us. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true. The Lord has risen. And has appeared to Simon. Then the two told them what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognised by them when he broke the bread. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you very much, everyone.
Before that, um, many of you know that um, I really love walking. Um, I'm very happy. Let's take this one out of the way. <laughs> I love uh, walking the dog. So very happy walking uh, the dog for many miles through the countryside or around the streets. Uh, sometimes it's not so enjoyable. If you've met our dog, you'll know why. Um, walking the southwest coast path. So southwest coast path from Poole all the way around to Minehead is 630 miles. Um, I think I've done about a, a third of that so far with, uh, with a good friend of mine. I've um, had the privilege of walking and talking with uh, some of you over the years. And uh, walking together and talking can be really therapeutic and good for the soul. Six years ago, uh, I'm giving my age away now, but six years ago when I was 50, I walked from uh, Taunton, my place of birth, to Downend over the course of two days, uh, stopping off at various points that had meaning in my life. And uh, that was a special time. About a dozen different people joined me for various parts of that walk. Walking is good for the soul. It's uh, good for rich conversations and deepening friendships. Now, most of you know, but for those who don't, in three days' time, I happen to be getting married to Tracy, who's at the back there somewhere. No, she's not. She's, she's, she's moved. She's gone to a different zone. She heard me preach this at 9.15, so she can't cope with a double dose. But we've got our wedding. A great blessing to marrying Tracy. Um, and my best man is um, this guy who's going to appear on the screen on the left-hand side, Andy. Andy and I go back um, a long time. I think we first met in probably the second year of, of secondary school um, down in Nailsey near Bristol. Uh, so we go back 44 years. And we have walked thousands of miles, and I really do mean thousands of miles over the years, from the time we were in a youth group together and we used to go on youth hosteling weekends as part of that youth group, through to the time when he worked in uh, Holland for a while and we went walking in Holland, uh, time when he was working in Ghana for a couple of years, so went over for a couple of weeks, and we went walking in the Ghanaian mountains. We've walked in Spain, we've walked up mountains, through valleys, along towpaths, around coastlines, in wind, in rain, in sunshine. That uh, photo there was taken earlier this year. Uh, around Dawlish, when we were battling the uh, sea coming over the sea wall into our faces on not a very pleasant day for walking. Many beers have been drunk, many meals consumed, many stories told. We've shared lots of joys and struggles, we've chewed over the challenges of life, we've laughed, we've been vulnerable with one another, we've offered advice, we've shed tears, we've looked out for one another underpinned by our shared faith in Jesus. And I'm so grateful both for Andy and many others who have walked alongside me over the years. And I hope you can think of others who have either literally walked alongside you or metaphorically walked alongside you and been part of your story. One of the most uh, powerful moments for me from Dane Hill this summer was on the second week when it was uh, really edgy and quite tough at times. Our team was stretched. And there was a group from uh, South London, from a South London estate uh, in Ballam. And uh, they'd come with their youth worker. In fact, their youth workers. One of those youth workers is our own Sam Ewins. 
who many of you know, who's often led worship here, he'll be involved in the wedding on uh, Wednesday. And uh, some of these lads, lads and girls, but the lads especially, they didn't really want to be in the meetings, they didn't really want to engage with worship, they were always late for meals, Uh, everything was quite challenging. But there was one really poignant evening on uh, day six, day five I think it was, of this particular week, when we were focusing on, on themes of prayer, someone had spoken, there'd been some interactive prayer stations, and I just saw these two lads, these two rough, tough lads from South London, just sitting in the corner, their arms round one another, and they were just telling each other how much they appreciated their friendship, how much they appreciated each other, and praying for one another. And that, you know, that friendship in the years ahead could be really significant for them as they seek to follow Jesus in what is a really tough home environment for them. That was powerful, two young men walking alongside one another, supporting one another. Well, this morning we're meeting two walkers on a road, two people with shared experiences, plenty to talk about and an encounter to remember. One was called Cleopas. The other's name, lost in history. We don't know for certain who that was. But I've got good news, because he's here today to tell part of his story. Well, at least I think he's here somewhere. Hold on a few seconds. What are you lot doing here? Morning. <laughs> Just going out for a little stroll. <clears throat> I do like me walking. Walk many miles. Met some interesting people along the way as well. I guess the, um, the one that sticks in my mind was one particular journey I did with my mate Clearpass. It was a little while ago now. It was, well, it was, a, it was really weird. It was a, certainly the strangest couple of years of my life. I'd been spending, um, spending this time following this guy, Jesus, who we'd met. Uh, Cleopas and I did lots of stuff together, and we'd, we'd often get talking to, to people. And um, this guy, Jesus, had, had come up to us. He'd started talking to us, and um, we'd, um, we'd ended up sort of traveling around with him for quite some time. It's probably a couple of years altogether, and uh, he was amazing. He was a sort of rabbi, um, teacher-type person, a bit, of, well, a bit of a prophet, I suppose. <laughs> he made some pretty amazing claims about himself, and we had um, a couple of great years just following him around, really, and he, he was doing all sorts of things. He, he would um, perform miracles. I remember one, the best one he did was the one where we went to, um, we went to this wedding, and um, the, the, the host had made a complete foul up of it and he'd not ordered enough wine. So um, I remember um, Jesus' mum went up to him and said, why don't, why don't you give us some extra wine? And he turned these, we had these big stone jars of water. He got the servants to bring them and um, then he sort of prayed a prayer over them. They turned into this really good wine. That was a really good evening, I remember that one. And then there was another one where um, he had this, boy's, uh, this um, boy came along to this this. Um, sort of meeting that Jesus was holding and he was, he was preaching and then he, he kept preaching. Sometimes he preached quite a while, to be honest. A bit like, um, a bit like Dan Watts. 
Um, he, um, he was preaching, and then he, the disciples said, why don't we send everyone away, because it's getting late. And he, Jesus said, no, we're going to have supper together. And um, we, we all just laughed, because no one had any food. And then this boy came out of a crowd, and he only had a few fish and a few sandwiches and things. But, but Jesus prayed over this food, and somehow it went around 5,000 people, and we had about 12 baskets left over at the end. So there are those miracles, I remember. And then there was those times when he, he healed people as well. He, he healed this, um, this blind man. He put sort of mud on his eyes and prayed for him. And, and then there was that time where he, he kept calling people to follow him. And um, he... he chose some strange people, not the sort of people I would have chosen, uh, not the likes of you and me, you know, really rough sorts, or, or people that just weren't popular. I remember he called um, one of those tax collectors, well, no, a couple of tax collectors, guys. There was, there was that Matthew, who was part of our close group of friends, and then one time he, um, he uh, chatted to this, uh, this midget tax collector. Um, what was he called? Zeke, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, he was, he was real trouble. He was always ripping people off. And uh, he'd, um, he, he was really short, <laughs> really short. And um, Jesus was coming through the town. We were with him, following. And, and Jesus, um, you know, not everyone could see Jesus because the crowds, his crowds were, you know, enormous. And um, Zacchaeus, he, he climbed a tree so he could see. Um, and also probably so he was out of the way of everybody because he would have probably got a bit of a beating from some of the people who didn't like him, who'd ripped off. But Jesus stopped at his tree and said to Zacchaeus, come down, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house for tea today. He was, he was like that. He was a bit cheeky sometimes, Jesus. And he um, invited Zacchaeus to tea. And then, and then Zacchaeus, this guy who'd been ripping people off, you know, several times, he, he said, I'm going I'm to give all that money back that I owe and, and more. And I'm going to give yeah, give money to the poor. He was, he was so different after that, Zacchaeus. And, and I, could, I could go on, actually. I could go on all morning and all afternoon, but um, he was quite incredible. But sometimes he said things that weren't very popular, and um, the authorities really didn't like it. So um, the Jewish authorities, they really took a dislike to him, especially because he was claiming, yeah, he was claiming to be God, and you know, anyone claiming to be God. It's not going to go down too well, is it, really? So um, they started, they, they had it in for him, and, and they sort of got into the Romans a bit, and, and between them, they decided they just had to get rid of um, Jesus, our friend. It was, it was scary times, I tell you, because we just didn't know what was going to happen from one day to the next. And eventually it got to a point where they, they sort of stitched him up. They sort of arrested him. It was, um, yeah, it was a hard, hard few days that. He, he was arrested and then they, they sort of beat him, they stripped him, they whipped him. And then they took him out to the, um, the hill outside the city, at Calvary Hill. It's where they always did the, the sort of crucifixions. The, sort of, the Romans were vicious. They really were vicious. And they, um, they used to just pin people up on these wooden crosses and just the life would just drain out of people. And on this particular day, they got Jesus out there and they had two other guys sort of from the rough end of town. And uh, they just pinned him up on the cross and left him there. And, you know, a crowd gathered because there's not much spectator sport around Jerusalem. So people came to watch the crucifixions. And we were, we were, just, we were just devastated. It was, it was horrendous. It really was by far the worst day of my life. And Jesus just, Jesus 
But he was still saying some amazing things from the cross. He was one of the guys. One of the guys next to him started talking about um, the, the way in which he wanted to be forgiven. And Jesus said to him, I think it was something like, "Today you'll be with me in paradise." It's quite a claim. Anyway, um, Jesus, Jesus sort of breathed his last breath. There was sort of one final cry from that, from that cross. He said, it is finished. And to be honest, we thought it was. We thought it was finished. So uh, me and Cleopas, we didn't really know what to do. Well, we, we sort of hung around with the other, um, our other friends, the other followers of, uh, of Jesus for a couple of days, um, and we were, we were a bit worried because we thought the Romans might be out for us as well. So um, we sort of hid away, uh, rather, kept a low profile. And then um, on, the, on the Sunday, so it was two or three days later, Cleopas and I just decided to scarper. We thought we'd escape. We couldn't really take it anymore. We just needed to clear our heads. And um, we, were, we were just about to go when some of the women from our group, they came, they, they went rushing off to the tomb where they, where they buried Jesus. And they came rushing back and, and they told us that he wasn't there, which was ridiculous. I mean, he was dead, so of course he was there. He, he's supposed to be in this tomb and uh, they had guards on the tomb as well because we'd seen them being stationed there. But anyway, they, they came back and they started telling us stories about Jesus not being there and we, we just thought they were, you know, hallucinating or something. Um, one of them said they'd even seen Jesus. I mean, how ridiculous. He was dead. So yeah, so Cleopas and I, we went for a bit of a stroll. So we, we thought we'd go, we normally, you know, we're quite keen walkers, so normally we do about 20, 30 miles a day. Um, yeah, we don't want to know that really, do we? Uh, but we, this, this time we thought we'd just go down to um, Emmaus. Cleopas's mum lives down there and she does a really good chocolate cake. So um, we started off down to uh, Emmaus. And we'd only gone, we'd probably got about two miles outside the city, and then this, this stranger, well, we thought he was at this point anyway, um, he came up alongside us. And um, we were really suspicious. I mean, we, we thought he was possibly just, you know, someone from the Romans just sussing us out, trying to trick us out. So we're a bit cautious to start with. We'd been, we'd been chatting, we'd been chatting about the weather, we'd been chatting about the rise in income tax from the, the Romans, uh, we'd been talking about the, um, the games coming up and, and maybe going to see them. And then we'd been trying to work out what had been going on with this Jesus guy because we'd followed him for, you know, 18 months, two years. And um, we'd, we'd thought that he was going to, you know, rescue the people. We had great dreams and it seemed like he had he made some amazing promises. So we thought things were going to turn out all right. But So we were just, you know, trying to process all this stuff. Uh, but... Then this guy interrupts us, so he comes walking along, and uh, he, he's, he sort of, he's, to start with, he plays really dumb. So he, he pretends he doesn't know anything, really. So um, we, we start telling him, uh, after a while, once we begin to trust him, we start telling him about some of the things that happened, so all the things in Jerusalem. So we, we tell him about Jesus, the fact that we've been following him, the fact he did these miracles and the healings and some of the things he said with his teaching. Um, and, uh, and then we tell him about how he was arrested and trialed and beaten and mocked and spat at and put on the cross and died and the fact that some people were telling us that he wasn't dead anymore. And um, <laughs> he just 
to start with. He didn't seem to have a clue. He'd, I don't know where he'd been the last few months. But, and then all of a sudden, the, 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 the mood changed a bit. And he, he suddenly said, um, he called us fools, basically. I mean, it, you know, a stranger coming up to you and telling you you're foolish and, you know, how slow you are to understand. And he started talking about the things that were in the scriptures. So the things we knew, because we've studied them, you know, we're not daft. So, we'd, you know, he started telling us about all the things the prophets had said in the Old Testament, in the, in the Jewish scriptures, I mean. And um, it, the things that were going to happen and the fact that the Messiah would come and the fact that, you know, he would die and, uh, and that he'd be raised to life again. Well, that, that got us thinking. So we chatted for quite a while, and before you knew it, we were there in Emmaus. So we were just about to go into Cleopas's mum's house, and we could, we could smell the chocolate cake, so we were quite keen to get in. But um, this, this guy who was with us, he, he started going on his way, but we thought, we want to know more about this. We didn't have a clue who he was at that point. We just thought he was just some random randomer who just caught up with us and had been hiding under a rock for the last few months. But anyway, he, he said... Um, no, we, we said to him, I think it was, we said, why don't you come and join us? So we came inside, came into Cleopas's mum's house, and we sat down at the table. And then we started a meal. We had a bit of a meal. So the, the, we were after the cake, of course, but uh, we had to go through sort of savoury first before we got to sweet. So um, there was some bread, and uh, loaf of bread, and um, we had a, a drink as well. And um, normally you'd think that the, you know, the, the host would, you know, distribute the bread and make sure everyone was all right. But this guy, he, he, he picked up the bread and then he, he pulled it apart and he broke it. And at that moment, we suddenly realized that this wasn't some randomer. This was, this was actually Jesus. And he, had a, he, he was alive. I mean, I, I know what you're thinking. I know you think I've completely lost the plot, but no, it really was. It's the way he broke the bread. It just reminded us of the time we'd spent with him uh, not, so, not so long before, where he'd, he'd broken the bread and he'd, he'd um, raised a glass of wine and he'd, he'd said that we'd remember him by these things. And so, you know, there were we. We'd been walking along with this guy for several miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus. We thought he was dead, but he wasn't. He was alive. And now we were with him in, in Cleopas's mum's front lounge, um, about to have a bit of chocolate cake with him, and he'd, he'd come back to life. So we, we, we spent a few minutes there, and then he, he, he sort of disappeared, which is a bit odd. Almost as quickly as he joined us, he sort of disappeared. But, so at that point, we said, we, left, we, we had a bit of cake, of course we did, and then we left Cleopas's mum, and we just, we just sprinted back to Jerusalem. Cleopas isn't in very good shape. He's you know, got a bit of a dodgy ticker, so he was a bit slow, but um, I got back there first. And um, I was hoping we'd go back and we'd tell our mates that, um, that we'd been with Jesus and we'd seen him and he was alive. But you know what you get. You know, some, sometimes some of your mates, are always, they always know what's going on, don't they? They always have to have the last word and the first word. So we got back there and there was Simon Peter. As always, he already knew. So he came out to meet us and said, did you know, guys, that Jesus is alive? We've seen him. And we just said, yeah, we've just had lunch with him. That shut him up for a bit anyway. So that was, yeah, that's probably the most memorable walk I've, I've been on, me and Cleopas. So, and then over the next few weeks, we, we saw him again a few times. There was one time, there's 500 of us probably. I didn't count them all, but um, uh, Matthew's pretty good at counting, so he reckoned there were about 500. 
And um, Jesus was there. There's another time when he did this amazing barbecue of us on, on the beach. We he caught some fish, a whole load of fish, and uh, he, he cooked them and stuff. Um, and then a few weeks later, he'd, he'd gone again. <laughs> it's really weird. But I've, I've learned so much. Me and Cleopas, we, you know, whenever we walk, we talk about this. Um, we've just learned so much. And the thing I've learned most is just the way you need to sort of trust God, even when things aren't quite going to plan and you don't quite know what's going on and it's all confusing and life's, life's a bit of a mess. That actually, you know, God can be trusted and that God is, God is still with us. So I've learned that. That's been amazing. And then I think just, you know, when we walk now, I'll clear past and I, you know, we're getting, we're getting on a bit, so we don't quite do as many miles as we used to, but when we walk now, we just we remind each other that Jesus is with us. It's not, you know, he's not physically with us like he was on that, on that road, but we know that he's with us by his spirit. We remember, we, we remind ourselves of all the stuff Jesus said to us when he talked about the fact that he would give us another counsellor, the comforter, the Holy Spirit. And we know that, you know, when we walk, that he is with us and that we can take great comfort from that. And then I guess the biggest thing for me as well is just that, you know, knowing that Jesus did what he said he'd do and the fact that he did rise from the dead, it makes me think all the other stuff he said really is true. And that means... I just want to tell people about him. So me and Cleopas and all the others, all the other guys and the, and the women, we, you know, we go around and we, we tell people about Jesus and you know, we try and live our lives in a way that yeah, honours all the stuff that he taught us. So, um, yeah, so that's me really, and that's, that's that walk I did uh, the other day. But um, yeah, sorry, sorry to interrupt whatever you're doing. Um, Cleopas and I are off for a 12-miler this afternoon, so I'd better go and meet him. So we'll see you later.